Welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. Steve Kirsch, philanthropist, tech entrepreneur, and founder of the COVID Early Treatment Foundation, has written a stunning article titled Evidence of Harm and subtitled A Short Collection of Key Pieces of Evidence Showing the COVID Vaccines Are Not Safe and Effective, Not Even Close. They are the most deadly vaccines we've ever produced. In this interview, conducted by investigative reporter Kelly O'Meara and me, he talks about the details of the article and how data showing how dangerous the vaccines are is being studiously avoided by the CDC and other agencies that should be first in line to want to look at it. Talk about what you basically said in your executive summary. Basically, we've been lied to. I mean, what science does is, is you, we try to decide between two different hypotheses. Um, and in this case, either the vaccines are safe and effective, as they claim, or they're not. And so what you're trying to do is you look at pieces of evidence and you, and you say, now, does this piece of evidence fit with, with hypothesis A or hypothesis B? And then at the end of the day, you, after you've looked at all your pieces of evidence, which can be phase three clinical trials, it could be direct observations, it could be observations of others and so forth. And uh, then you, you look at how many pieces of evidence you have on one hypothesis versus the other. And uh, in this case, it's very clear because all the pieces of evidence seem to align with it's not safe and effective. Uh, we've been lied to. This information says the Pfizer uh, trial six-month report. Is that based on the information that is slowly being released from Moderna and Pfizer because of the court? No, it, this is all based on the phase three uh, clinical trial results that was published in a peer-reviewed medical journal. Okay. This is but all based on uh, published studies uh, submitted by the drug manufacturer, essentially, you know, written by the drug manufacturer uh, into the medical journals. The first one just gobsmacked me that the Pfizer trial six-month report showed absolutely no all-cause morbidity or mortality benefit. It's like a magic trick. You know, magicians are always doing the magic trick to say, hey, pay attention to this, watch over here. And then they do something with their other hand or or something that, that uh, uh, yeah, it's a they basically want to distract you. Okay. Right. And so the, 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 the paper is written in a way to distract you from the main event. So the paper says, look, we got a 90% reduction in the number of COVID infections. And they didn't mention at all in the conclusion and the abstract, you know, that basically the abstract, which is what everybody reads, they just read like the abstract and the conclusion. They never mentioned that there was no all-cause mortality benefit. In fact, it was the reverse. The intervention killed more people than it saved. Well, and that's, that's ambiguous. That's the other and the other thing is that there were more side effects in the group that got the drug. And this is true for all of the vaccines, for all three of the vaccines that were approved. In all cases, the morbidity um, was higher and it was statistically significant in all three trials. So here you have no overall net mortality benefit and no morbidity uh, benefit. In other words, you, side effects and so forth from the vaccine. Are you going to, you know, are you better off, right? You know, like morbidity would be, hey, it left me crippled. <laughs> it left me as a quadriplegic. I mean, that would be, um, I, I know someone who got the vaccine 
and just 12 year old girl, she ended up being a, she turned into a quadriplegic after she got the vaccine. That would be considered morbidity. So there wasn't an all cause morbidity benefit from the max vaccine. It was the, the reverse. It, it caused more problems. And this has been just um, uh, verified and um, confirmed wow. over and over again um, in talking with doctors. And I mean, I, I know one doc, look, I would know one doctor, it's a neurologist in California. I won't say where she is. She's got practice 20,000 patients. She's never had to report a vaccine injury before in 11 years. And this year she has to report a thousand, a thousand adverse events. And this is the same as the Israelis found when they surveyed in Israel, they found a 4.5% rate of neurological injury. And my neurologist here had a 5% rate of neurological injury. The numbers match up. It's not explainable. How can you go from zero in 11 years and now be a thousand reports? I mean, there is no way that you could explain it. And I asked the neurologist, hey, would you talk to the CDC and let them know? And she said, no, I don't want to have my license revoked. You brought up the Israelis. Um, I know you've been uh, look, trying to get answers uh, on, on their uh, data and why nobody else is interested in their data. Have you had any updates uh, in the last couple of days of anybody interested in getting that data and discussing it? Yes. Um, in fact, there was one um, entry in the contact me uh, that haven't had a chance to process yet. I think it was from some lawmaker in Australia. Um, in an official capacity uh, that wanted to see the data, but that's it. Wow. Uh, Martin Kaldorf actually um, was the other uh, person who wanted uh, to see uh, the data. Well, talk so, about it. Just, just a minute. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about the Israeli data? Because it's, it's, it's uh, sort of interesting. Israel wasn't doing a very good job of collecting adverse event uh, reports uh, for the vaccines. It was a cumbersome system, mostly used by doctors and, uh, uh, and they didn't use it because it was so cumbersome. So it wasn't a very effective way to collect safety data. So they realized this a year into it. And then they said, okay, well, we should start collecting real data. So they passed an external group to uh, work with them to figure out how do you how do you collect the data? And they started collecting data. And in March, the, um, uh, the expert said, hey, <laughs> here's this pretty serious stuff. Uh, you should let the public know that this is not as safe and effective as she's been saying. And um, uh, they apparently ignored this because of budget and staffing problems. Right. And so they met again in early June. Uh, and then now they had six months worth of data that they've been collecting, same results. And they asked, hey, you know, why didn't you report this back in March when we told you? And they said, you know, budget staffing problems. Um, so again, here, they um, basically, the Israeli Ministry of Health took two months, and they said, there's nothing to see here, folks, move along. And uh, there was no, uh, they basically um, uh, covered up the report. And then one of the people who were, was on that call released a video of the call where they mentioned that, hey, you know, we told you about this in March and you did nothing. And we're telling it to you now, and there's, there's a problem here. And you're going to have to be careful because you could be in legal liability uh, when you tell people this. And so they decided uh, not to tell uh, them anything. And 
This was then uh, uh, broadcast on GB News on August 20th by Neil Oliver. And no, no response at all out of the uh, Israeli uh, Ministry of Health. I mean, not even a call for an, an investigation. I mean, that's, a, that's astonishing that nobody in the Israeli Ministry of Health, no one called for an investigation. No one in the mainstream media in Israel called for an investigation, and no member of parliament in Israel called for an investigation. In fact, nobody um, that I know other than me, has called for an investigation. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that Yaffa Shiraz, who was the Israeli journalist that broke the story, um, would want an investigation. But, you know, I, I said, you know, this is ridiculous. And the other thing is that the, the, the people in the U.S. didn't want to see it. They didn't want to see the data. I could just get Martin Kaldorf uh, interested in seeing the data. And... Um, and then I asked him, I said, Martin, hey, could you ask your peers if they would like to see the data um, because it's important stuff? And I haven't heard, heard back from him uh, on that. But it's, you know, it's usually like uh, uh, very difficult um, for people to uh, um, uh, say, yeah, yeah, I want to I see the data. I mean, it's, it's like pulling teeth. And so I, I tried to ask the... Um, uh, the head of the ASIP committee. Uh, and uh, so uh, she's a professor at, at Stanford University, and her, her name is Grace Lee. And I couldn't get a hold of her. I, I tried her emails and just got ignored. And so I got her, um, her cell phone from a colleague, and I left her cell phone messages. Hey, do you want to see this Israeli data? This is really important. You're the top outside safety person. She ignored all my messages. So uh, because she works at her house, I showed up at her house and I, I rang the doorbell and I said, you know, trying to get her attention. No answer at the door. Waited 20 minutes. So I finally, I wrote a note on the door um, saying, hey, you know, uh, do you want to see the safety data? Here's my name and number and I'll put you in touch and we'll do a safety briefing. And um, uh, she called the police on me. So they're basically doing everything they can to avoid uh, seeing any data that goes against the narrative. I think that the Israeli health department has a contract with Pfizer that says that they own all the data that comes out of, uh, they co-own all this data and that it's, um, it's uh, pr you know, proprietary data. Mm. So I wonder, if that is part of why the Israeli government does not want to release uh, this information to the public, because they've got this, it's they had one secret con. They they signed uh, several contracts. Uh, I don't know if you know who Ruth Machnes is. She's a lawyer who's been fighting to try and get information on the vaccines and to you know invoke the uh, Nuremberg codes to stop it, stop the vaccinations. And they found these these agreements, but one of them was a secret agreement. But it was very interesting that they uh, did have an agreement to co-own information that came out of the results of the rollout. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, we're not really allowed to see the, uh, nobody's allowed to see the the contract, <laughs> including lawmakers. I mean, members of parliament of the um, uh, EU uh, parliament, like aren't allowed to see the, the, the contract with Pfizer. I mean, it's unbelievable. You uh, said that uh, Israel hasn't, uh... Uh, they hadn't done anything uh, with the with the data, and my I guess my question is I it, I think I read in your report here that, uh, or maybe it was in another report, um, that the number of people getting the vaccines in Israel actually has dropped significantly, but they're still pushing the vaccine. Is that is that correct? I mean, it's not like Israel's going, oh, you know, we're not going to have uh, we're not going to have these these vaccines anymore. So not only are they not doing anything about the data, the adverse events and deaths. Um, they're still pushing the vaccine. Yeah, yeah, and but the people in Israel aren't taking them up on it because only two point four percent of the people in Israel are now considered vaccinated. So, basically, ninety eight percent of the Israeli population is rejecting. That's the what I read. Ninety eight percent, and you see, we're not covering that in the the American news media because we don't want to spook people and let them know the truth. Um, that the Israelis have figured it out. Well, it's maybe right because maybe. otherwise, hey, if, if people knew about that, like Americans would be flabbergasted. Like, why isn't the American media telling us this, and why are they pushing these shots on us? And look, even um, the the head cheerleader, um, you know, uh, for this on the um, uh, and he's on the FDA uh, committee. Uh, even he's. Uh, Earned anti-vaxxer uh, on us, and that's 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 really stunning. This guy is highly respected. His name is Dr. Paul Offit. Offit, yeah. And he yeah. said he's on the committee. He sees all the data, and and he went on video saying he's not getting the latest booster. Now, if Paul Offit, who's an old guy, isn't getting the booster. I should you? Not only did he say he wasn't that, that he wasn't getting it and you shouldn't get it, he made the point of saying, "Look, they're not even going to review this. They're going. They're not going to let the committee review the data for the new booster." I mean, you know, the FDA is just approving it willy nilly based on I think what eight mice, ten mice, and he 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 actually says this is crazy. Yeah, and uh, he is uh, correct. You don't want to do this. This is. There are, there are examples of people who got the shot and they're dead like 15 minutes later. And, and then someone comes in and says, hey, I heard there was a death a couple of days ago in your pharmacy. He said, yeah, we're not allowed to talk about that. Management <laughs> says we're not allowed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is, this is like, we're not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> that's, that's, how, that's how science works. That's called informed consent. We don't want to talk about it. We've been instructed not to talk about it. I mean, this is how informed consent works in, in America today. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I know you've been censored, uh, Steve. <laughs> Slightly, yeah. Just just, just on, <laughs> on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Medium, and Wikipedia. All of those platforms have been permanently banned. Yeah, I've been banned. No, I haven't been permanently banned. banned on Facebook because I never post there. But, But you'll never believe this. They went back and found a post I made a year ago and forced me to remove it. Oh, wow. Or they would, you know, in order to continue using my account. A post from a year ago. 
I mean, that's incredible. No, no. What's incredible, Steve, is that these orders are coming from the government to these social media oligarchs. I mean, that's literally what's happening now. The government is conver- is having conversations with them about the type of information they don't want out there by what groups and what people. That's what's really outrageous. Yeah. I, I, I was wondering if you could talk about the, uh, the uh, uh, death numbers. You know, adults age 35 to 44 died at twice uh, the expected rate. That's according to life insurance data. Yeah. And uh, millennials experienced an 84% rise of excess mortality into the fall of 2021. I think that they said that's like we had like a, a Vietnam 63,000. Yeah. Dead. No, it's, it, yeah, it's, un, it's unbelievable. I mean, these numbers are off the charts. But you see, nobody wants to talk about the numbers. I can't get anybody on the other side to say, hey, if it's not the vaccine, how do you explain these things? And even the insurance companies, see, this is the stunning thing, that even the insurance companies do not want to know. And so I'm, I'm in touch with someone who's met with all the insurance companies. And I said, look, why don't they just ask, like, when were you, vac- were you vaccinated? Like, you know, for people who died, were you vaccinated? When were you last vaccinated? I mean, they could collect amazing information because that information is not collected anywhere. You can't get that. But the insurance companies could get it in a heartbeat. Hey, in order to pay your claim, just just let us know when the person was last vaccinated and the, um, uh, you know, if they were vaccinated. Just tell isn't us the, they, the last vaccination. That's it. Isn't this data collected by the states? Because I know Nevada, which is where I reside. Yeah, um, but it's not correlated. It's not connected. Well, like, like you could be on Medicare and you go and get your vaccine. It's not recorded in your Medicare record. No, but the state records it in their health department records. They do. Yeah. Yeah, someone's got to go and put it put put it together, right? Because you and I don't have access to that record. The insurance companies can't get that information. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't from, think so, right? Because health- you and I can't get it. What? What? You know? How would the insurance company have the the right? Yeah, but to- it's not. You don't need their name. You're just it's getting health, numbers. No, but it's health statistics, right? Right. It, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's just yeah, numbers. I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why couldn't you? I mean, the equivalent of FOIA, I guess, for states. I don't know how you could. I mean, that look, that's private. Per, that is private medical information, right? So you're not entitled to that unless you have an entitlement that says you're allowed to get that uh, personal medical information. And even then, it's, it's um, you know, they would have to, have to then have a special department to process that because your vaccination status is private medical information. HIPAA laws protect it. It's interesting that your private, your that's private medical information until you're trying to get on a plane or you're trying to do this or you're trying to do that. No, you voluntarily uh, give that up when when uh, in order to get on the plane, you're you're volunteering that information, right? But I mean, to get on a plane, you're actually not because you don't have to show vaccination status when you get on a plane. Not domestically, but internationally, I think people coming in from Europe and such still have to prove they've had their vaccines in order yeah, to travel. Correct. Correct. But you see, they're not American citizens. Well, I mean, in, in they're they're foreigners, right? So they're not entitled to the to the private, you know, the the hip. I mean, HIPAA basically says your doctor can't release your medical information, or any you know trusted healthcare provider that you provide your medical information to. Um, 
but see, you can disclose your medical information uh, to uh, to anyone. I mean, I, I I tell people all the time I've been uh, doubly vaccinated. That's not illegal. By the way, that was a mistake. <laughs> and all of the vaccines that I've had to date was a mistake as well. And I just was reading an, an article about the aluminum in the brain. You know, vaccines contain aluminum and the aluminum doesn't go out of your body. It accumulates in your brain. And that, accum that accumulation of aluminum in your brain is 100% correlated with Alzheimer's. God. I mean, it, it's really amazing. It's sort of and the argument that I was writing about 20 years ago for the Washington Times when I was covering uh, uh, kids who were getting the uh, uh, thimerosal um, in their childhood vaccines. Um, it, you know, broke the blood brain, uh, blood brain barrier. Yeah. Um, and thimerosal is uh, mercury, you know? Yeah, and mercury. Mercury poisoning, it's, yeah. It's, it's there. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question. And, you know, we have records. We have records of a phone call where William Thompson at the CDC admits that the CDC was ordered them to destroy all records that associate um, thimerosal and, and autism. And, and or I think it was wow. just vaccines and autism. And so the CDC instructed people to destroy all records of the association is that how science works? Mm. Like, and they're not even held accountable to this. Yeah. I mean, it is amazing. Yeah. And, and it's worse than that, actually. I don't want to go off on it, but they what we finally did is we got the thimerosal out of the childhood vaccines. But when it went through Congress, it was basically, yes, take the thimerosal out with no end date. So if you look at statistically, you can see that, you know, the number of autistic kids went up, you know, very high. And if we had just set a date and said, by this date, the Marisol must be out of the vaccines. Of course, you would have seen uh, autistic drop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, then you, could, you, you could see it happening. So they left it open. Okay. And it took like 20 years to get the Marisol out of the vaccines. And now they're putting aluminum in instead. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's guaranteed Alzheimer's. When you get the vax, you're getting the spike protein. It's creating the spike protein, right? And the spike protein is multiplying in your body right? Am I understanding this correct? Yep. Is there a test where they can take your blood and they can say, okay, you have this many spike proteins in your blood? Yeah. Uh -huh. There is. So yeah. why can't people have a blood test prior to going, oh, I need another booster? What is the appropriate amount of spike proteins to protect you? Well, you, you shouldn't have any spike proteins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I understand that, but you know where I'm going. You, yeah. But you know where well, I'm going. Well, you see, it, 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 they don't want to know. <laughs> they don't want, and they don't want people to know, for, for gosh sakes. And, you know, it's like for autopsies. They never, the CDC never directs the medical examiners to test for whether the vaccine killed the patient. You know, so they could go and tell people, they could tell medical examiners, hey, if the guy find out whether the guy's been vaccinated and if, and if he died within a, um, a month of vaccination or really actually it should be like seven months or eight months from vaccination, um, then they should be tested. And they're not telling the medical examiners anything. They're not recommending anything. They're not even acknowledging the problem. And they're not even pushing back on saying, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy died, you know, two weeks after he got vaccinated. Could you run this test on the tissue samples? Right. They don't, they simply don't want to know. And, you know, I, I've confronted like John, another example, I've confronted John Sue at the CDC is responsible for looking at the VAERS data. I said, look, 
why do you never calculate the underreporting factor in VARES? Because it's it's underreported by a factor of 41 minimum and uh, uh, could be 100 or more uh, for less obvious events like death. And, you know, you don't get a response. And, and reporters, um, I had a, re a former New York Times reporter called up the CDC and tried to get the information. The CDC wouldn't give it to him. You know, and they don't tell the outside committees, hey, the underreporting factor for virus is this, and the propensity to report is actually lower. So it's, it's like, it's really serious. And, and I just looked at the, the death rate elevation today for cardiac uh, arrest in VARES. It's 93 times higher than normal for this vaccine. And this was when I measured it um, earlier um, this year. It's, uh, this is, it's really shocking. I mean, this is But the CDC couldn't see this. I mean, it's, it's obvious to me. It's simple math. You look at the number of events uh, in 12 months from the vaccines and you compare that with the average vaccine it's way higher you don't really think that they don't just they don't want to give it to you i mean they, this is not by accident yeah this is they're they're evading of i call course. yeah I, I mean i call the cdc person who's responsible for misinformation they say hey let's have a meeting i'll bring all the misinformation spreaders and you can bring all the authorities and we can have a meeting and you can <laughs> all of us on camera no answer I am handing them on a silver platter the ability to just cut us off, you know, and destroy us with facts and evidence. And I can't even get an answer, like yes or no, to that question. Like, how about a scientific discussion? And, and you see, one thing I've learned in this is that the people that back down from an open public discussion on the merits of of an argument people who back down from that open public discussion are usually the people who have something to hide mm -hmm. not not yeah. always but it's yeah. probably like 99 percent of the time and i can't get these guys to the table even for a million bucks i offered yeah. a million bucks to any member of the uh, cdc or fda onsite committee to come and spend a few hours with me you know three four hours and just answer my questions i don't want to be a misinformation spreader Look, if I got it wrong, I'll, I'll I'll correct it. I've done this before on my Substack. Um, you know, there 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 are lots of times when I'll publish something and then I'll find out later, oh, you know, that was wrong, and I'll correct it. Um, uh, the Substack. I, I did that just this morning when somebody said uh, I wrote, "Hey, there was a fifty percent increase in the number of cardiac events with the Pfizer vaccine," and they said, "No, you know, usually get it right, but you got it wrong. It's 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 five x." And I looked it up and it was actually 4X according to the uh, to the published paper. So I said, okay, it's in, I, I changed it from 50% to a four times increase in the number of cardiac arrest events with the Pfizer vaccine. So, I mean, you got a vaccine which is causing four times the number of cardiac events than, mm -hmm. than the placebo. And, and the other thing is that we have confirmation from other studies. There's the, the study done by Retzef uh, Levy and... Um, in Israel, where they looked at uh, call ambulance calls uh, uh, to e emergency services, and you know for cardiac uh, events like cardiac arrest, and they were up by twenty five percent in the first six months, but uh, but it gets but then they tried to get it after May of twenty twenty one, and they were denied that data, 
they weren't allowed to look at the data. Look, if the vaccines are safe and effective, then why should you be hiding the data? And why should you not want to look at the Israeli data? I mean, none of this makes any sense if the vaccines are safe and effective. Every single piece of evidence that I have shows that these vaccines are super dangerous and that nobody wants to confront them. And if somebody wants to show that I'm wrong, I'm, I'm happy to discuss with them, but nobody wants to talk to me and nobody wants to talk to any of my colleagues. So it's not just me. Right. No, but they won't talk to Peter McCullough. You know, they won't talk to any any of us. They won't talk to Jessica Rose on the Veris data. She's an expert on the Veris data. And and instead, what they do is they actually silence her by uh, taking a published paper. It's gone through peer review. The editor liked it. They take it and they take it down. Um, and there was another Kostoff uh, paper by Ronald Kostoff that was published in, um, I think it was Vaccines. And um, the publisher took it down um, over the objection of the editor who then quit over the incident because it was so unethical. And they said that the reason they took down the paper is because it used terminology that they thought was biased. It called it an inoculation instead of a vaccine or, you know, something like that. I mean, it was, it was just wordsmithing. And they could have said to the author, hey, just change these words and we won't have to retract the paper. I mean, they retract an entire paper showing the vaccines are are, are dangerous because they they thought in their per, their belief was that this word was biased. We saw the president come out earlier in the week saying that the pandemic was over. Of course, everybody's pants were on fire at that point because there's a lot at stake. And what's at stake is billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, to be made on pushing the vaccines continually until the end of time. Am I wrong? Well, there is definitely a lot of money uh, to be made, but you know the 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 people who believe in the vaccines, and I, and I found I, I've got um, an an insider at the CDC, and I got an insider uh, at one of the drug companies, and these people at the CDC and the drug companies actually believe the narrative. But they based on what? Doing God's work. Based on what do they believe the narrative? Based on what they've been told. They're, they've been told, look. The clinical trial shows that 90% reduction in infections, even though the CDC now admits, hey, there's no reduction in infections. And in fact, there's a, a, a study out of Canada where the, uh, a member of parliament in Canada commissioned an expert panel to look at the data in Ontario. And Ontario is big, 15 million people in Ontario. And what they found was that not only did the vaccines not prevent infections, but it didn't reduce hospitalizations and it didn't reduce deaths for people 60 and under. Mm -hmm. So the question is, if it doesn't work in Ontario with 15 million people, how could it work somewhere else? Like, <laughs> nobody wants to answer that question. And nobody's disputing any of the government data in Ontario. <laughs> they just don't want to talk about it. this is why i'm not not super popular nobody wants to <laughs> to, to debate me so, on this what is the what is the answer steve what is the answer to get to get people this information so they yeah. understand what's at stake it's hard it's hard because people own a lot of people have a trust and authority right because they don't have the skills and they don't have the time and expert basically they don't have the time and expertise to evaluate the data themselves. 
So they rely on experts, meaning their doctor, experts they trust, meaning their doctor. And the doctor relies on experts they trust, meaning the CDC and the AMA and the IDSA and all of these um, institutions. And when the institutions are basically not looking at the safety data and are not properly uh, uh, interpreting uh, the, the, the science, like the Pfizer study, I mean, there were five times as many people who were excluded in the treatment group as the placebo group. Now, excuse me, but that's not a double-blind randomized controlled trial. There's no possible way. The p-value on that is 10 to the minus 40, which means it couldn't have happened by chance. There's no way ever it could have happened by chance. So there was manipulation in the trial. They basically booted people um, who were, were had a reaction to the vaccine. And right. so by by calling the people who have a no reaction to the vaccine, they can make it look perfectly safe. In your head, what is going on? What's the big picture? Look, the medical community is trained to listen to authority and they're trained to ignore everything except the randomized clinical trials. And they're never trained that the randomized clinical trials can be fabricated by the drug companies or I shouldn't say fabricated, maybe I should use the word manipulated, manipulated by the drug companies to make the vaccines look effective. And they focus the medical community's attention, not on the all-cause mortality and the morbidity, which is what they should be looking at, but they say, oh, look, a 90% reduction on infections. And of course, everybody thinks, oh, that must translate to a 90% reduction in the hospitalizations and then a 90% reduction in death. So this is a good thing. And so people are then conditioned and they're con they've been conditioned for decades because people believe are, are, are always told vaccines are safe and effective, but you see, that's not the case. And there's this book out called turtles all the way down and it's on Amazon. And it's not be, to be confused by that. There's a novel um, that's more popular, um, but with the same name, but look for the one turtles all the way down vaccine safety and, and, um, so it talks about, it has vaccines in the title. And that is a devastating takedown of the entire childhood vaccination schedule, which was never tested against a placebo ever for wow. any of the ones in the childhood vaccine schedule. They were never tested against a placebo. They're instead tested against other vaccines. <laughs> saying, hey, this is no worse than the vaccines you were, you know, so it's bootstrapping up from nothing, which is why they say turtles all the way down. In other words, we are building everything on a mirage that doesn't exist. And this whole vaccine schedule has never, ever, there's never been a study showing the, that the vaccines actually more, are more beneficial than harmful. Ever. And Wayne Root, bless his heart, he's a conservative commentator. He used to be on Fox a lot until he started talking about the vaccine and then that Fox booted him. And Wayne Root had a wedding over eight months ago. He invited 200 people. Turns out half of them were vaccinated, half of them were not vaccinated. He, he then listened to stories to you know what happened to his, um, his guests since his, his uh, 
uh, his wedding and he jotted it down. He found out 26 people out of the 100 who got vaccinated were seriously injured and seven wow. people died. And in the people who didn't get the vaccine, it was zero and zero. Wow. You can't make that stuff up yeah. and you can't explain it either. And this is exactly the kind of study that the CDC should be doing and doesn't want to do because they know that the outcome would be devastating. So I did it with my readers. I said, hey, you know, fill this in for people, you know, who are vaccinated versus unvaccinated and fill in the stats for me. And I got a, a virtually identical results to what Wayne Root got. So, and this is 600 people who responded. So even if one of them was lying or whatever, you know, it would have got, gotten lost in the noise because the numbers on, on all these things were small. But you add it all up and you get the same statistics that Wayne got. You know, this can't happen by chance. If the CDC is working with big tech, to deplatform and attack and marginalize everybody who's talking about the evidence the way you are. Well, what does that mean? Uh, does that mean that there's some kind of big conspiracy going on at the CDC, or are they now just uh, because they fell for what the the big pharma said in terms of the safety and efficacy of the vaccines now they're covering their butts i mean what's going on or were they in on it before what's going on yeah, they, they look these guys at the cdc truly believe that the vaccines are safe and effective they're trained just like doctors right they're trained to look at the clinical trials and the clinical trials that the summary well, what didn't... is that belief based on given the science what science are they looking at that you're not seeing then? well they're they're basically saying the typical your typical doctor will say, "Look, I don't believe anecdotes. I only uh, believe phase three trials and authorities." And the phase three trial, uh, the the abstract said we got a ninety percent reduction and it's safe. Okay, but you have to read the study in order to see that. Oh, hey, <laughs> isn't this interesting? More people died who got the vaccine than who got the placebo. Hmm, that's not supposed to happen, and the morbidities, you know, is four times higher, four times number of cardiac events in the group that got the vaccine, cardiac arrest in the group that got the vaccine versus the placebo. It's right in the paper, but you have to load the supplemental appendix and go to page, I don't know, 27 or whatever in that appendix in order to see that. So if you're not looking for it, um, you're not going to find it. And you're never going to find the exclusion criteria because it's buried in an FDA document that wasn't even in the paper. So all of these things you have to really dig for. So the doctors aren't going to dig. So they just rely on the clinical trials. And then all the doctors are saying it's safe and effective. So the media believes what the doctors are saying. And of course, the CDC basically trusts the scientists who just do a cursory view of, of the paper and just look at the conclusion. And they believe it too. And so the, C the people who work at the CDC actually believe they're pushing something that's safe and effective. And if there's any negative news, then they consider it to be misinformation and not to be paid attention to. And so they won't even consider, you can't even get people to read this stuff. So this book, Turtles, for example, um, I have a friend uh, who's, in, um, who's an advocate for nuclear power. And the reason is that he looks at the statistics and he says, hey, 
you know, the science says that nuclear, we need nuclear power because it's a clean way to, to uh, reduce global warming. And uh, the effects on uh, nuclear waste are overblown and the chance of a blow up was, is overblown because that's what the science says. So I thought this guy would be um, willing to look at the science on vaccines and he's had five vaccines. And so um, I oh. said, hey, can you, I, I send you this book. And he says, sure. I said, would you take 20 minutes as a friend? We take 20 minutes and read the book for me. He says, sure, no problem. So he calls me back three minutes later saying, hey, I'm not going to read this book. It's it's anti-vaccine and vaccines are safe and effective and they've saved millions of lives. And I said, no, no, but this book is about exploding that myth. And he said, no, I'm not going to read it. It's anti-vaccine. Wow. You know, and the same could be true um, for the, uh, uh, the, the that illusions uh, book, uh, um, you know, that, that really takes the, the whole uh, narrative of vaccines, you know, save lives. Um, and, uh, you know, they really uh, examine that dissolve, dissolving illusions. How does the CDC, even your guy at the CDC, how does he deal with this post-vaccination era where people are the vaccine injured numbers are climbing and you know the deaths are climbing and VAERS is is reporting unprecedented numbers of injuries and deaths. How does Easy. that same way, same way the there's an NIH um scientist, Dr. Dr. Nath at the NIH, N-A-T-H. And I've written Substack articles about Dr. Nath. Dr. Nath started looking at the vaccine injured. And he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna study these people. I'm gonna find out what's going on. And so he a year later, he reports, hey, we couldn't find an association between the vaccine and, vac and the vaccine injured. We don't know why it's happening, but it doesn't seem to be caused by the vaccine. Now, there is no possible way that anybody with half a brain could think that, that there's no possible association. I mean, I've heard stories of one person who was one of the first people to get the vaccine. She started having symptoms hours after she got the vaccine. And she has like 86 symptoms out of a little more than 100 that I listed. So I listed symptoms that are unique to the vaccine injuries, like bleeding behind your eyes. Oh. Okay. I mean, these are symptoms that normal people do not have. I don't have any of them. And so she's got 86 symptoms that she never had before. Before she got the vaccine, she never had 80 of these, any of these. And now she's got 86 on my list of over 100, slightly over 100. How's that happen? If it wasn't caused by the vaccine, then what caused it? I mean, and she's not the only one. Right. You yeah. know, there are thousands and thousands and, you know, there are, are really the vaccine injured. There are millions mm -hmm. of vaccine injured people in America, and they're not making the connection between the yeah. vaccines okay. they got and yeah. their injury. No, they're not. I know two people I'm, you know, a woman I worked with within 24 hours of getting the first uh, Moderna, uh, she ended up in the emergency room because her heart was beating so fast. She thought she was having a heart attack. Um, 
And oh. this one, this went on for a month. She's oh yeah, oh, no, that's that is like the number one. <laughs> yeah, that is like the number one side effect is the is your elevated uh, heart rate, tachycardia. But, yeah, but but nobody in any of the healthcare situations, the emergency room, her doctor, blah 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 blah, said it was because she got the vaccine, and Correct. she never had it. She never had it before, right? Because they don't want to be fired. <laughs> They don't want to be fired. They don't want to have their medical credentials taken away. If they get their board certifications taken away, their toast. If they get their hospital credentials taken away, their their right. their income drops. Uh, they could be investigated by the medical boards and have their license revoked. I mean, we're talking about severe career limiting moves. So people are uh, their number one duty is to their family, okay, and is to be the breadwinner for their family. For most physicians, eh, what about first do no harm? Uh, no, no, no. It's uh, first make sure first, do no harm to the family. Do no harm to your family. Yeah, yeah. By the way, you know, we spoke to Meryl Nass yesterday, and she her trial is coming up October 11th. It's going to be on Zoom, and uh, she's got all her experts lined up to talk about the real science. So, uh, uh, so, so and and so this is, a, but are they going to be challenged by anybody? Or is this a one-sided? What you well, really want to see is the debate between the these people who are saying this stuff. And well, it's the, the medical board. board. It's the medical board. It's the, she's going up against the medical board. So what right. is the how's the medical board going to defend themselves against this science? It's going to be very interesting to see. Oh, they're yeah. And my prediction is they're not. They're just going to sit there. They're going to listen and they're going to say, we're going to take away your license. Right? That's the way they operate. They don't operate on actually discussing the science. <laughs> After all, they're medical boards. They're not going to be talking about the science. I, I guarantee you, there's never going to be a debate on the merits of what the science says. And the whole thing is so bogus anyway, because they they didn't take her license away because she hurt any patients or anything like that. So. Speaking against the narrative and you you pay the price. And you see, that's the way science should work because, you know, have you ever seen a... a, a, a a paper in the peer-reviewed um, medical literature that shows, hey, the best way uh, to deal with scientific dissent is to censor, demonetize, uh, demonize, uh, and revoke the medical credentials of the person who you disagree with. I mean, you know, think about this. Think about what would happen in the UN, right? We have enough problems in the UN sort of getting along. Now think about what would happen in the UN if we said, hey, if we disagree with you, we're going to kick you out of the UN. You know, we're going to take away your passport. Um, we're going to um, uh, make sure that you can't uh, participate in any committee meetings for the rest of your life. Like, how would how would that work out in terms of being a way for people to resolve um, differences? Right. I mean, I don't know of any any place in history where it, where Things ended up better by silencing the opposition. The problem, though, Steve, is that if we let this happen and there's no conversation about the harm and the death that's associated with this vaccine, it's going to continue. It's going to continue. It is with, continuing. No, 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 no. With the next, the next virus, the next oh, vaccine. Of it, course. It's, it's, of course. It's a and this is why it's so important. This is why it's so important. Exactly. It has to stop. And you know, but see, they've been getting away with this for years. Look at Andrew Wakefield. This guy is totally right about the connection between the, the vaccines and autism. Yeah. 
what do they do? They marginalize the guy, and it's been twenty. It's it's um, been twenty years, and they've been successful in convincing the public that Wakefield is the misinformation spreader. It's the same thing with Bobby Kennedy. Bobby Kennedy is like, hey, you used to be a good guy, but then you turned evil anti-vaxxer, and now nobody wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, Jake Tapper on CNN goes and and uh, calls Bobby a grifter and all sorts of names. Oh and Bobby says, hey, Jake, how about a debate? And Jake says, I won't debate you because that would give you a platform. Right. The guy's a best-selling author. <laughs> He's known. <laughs> he doesn't need Jake Tapper to give him a platform. This is just an excuse. Bobby Kennedy has been trying to get a debate on vaccine safety for 20 years, and not a single person in the entire world will debate him, except for Alan Dershowitz, who's a friend of his who did it as a favor, and Dershowitz lost. So what does that tell you? I wrote about uh, the thimerosal and autism for years for the Washington Times, many, many articles. And uh, it was was heartbreaking what was happening to these kids, and they knew it. They knew it. And that's why they got rid of the Thimerosal the way they did. It's like the CDC got rid of it, too. You know, there used to be a statement saying that um, uh, I think there was there was some statement that was recently removed from the CDC website, like vaccines um, uh, don't cause autism. I think they had a statement and they quietly removed that statement. I mean, there was something. That was was quite devastating that they they recently re- removed. And I, for, I mm-hmm. forget right now w- w- what it was, but they quietly removed the association without telling anybody. So there'd be mm-hmm. no record of it except in the Internet Archive, which I just donated, made a generous donation to. I don't know if you know uh, Robert Gallo. I mean, you know, he came out with his uh, HIV uh, paper. He gave it directly to uh, HHS. It wasn't peer reviewed. And based on that paper, everything that all the scientists were looking at as far as HIV or excuse me, AIDS at the time, anybody who was investigating the cause of AIDS at that time, to this day, that paper that he wrote was not peer reviewed, but it was the gospel, uh, according to HHS at the time under the Reagan administration. And everything about AIDS changed overnight and all the money that was being used to look at behaviors among certain groups and so forth and so on dried up. Um, and then it was all into the, the you know, human immunovirus. So um, uh, I, I'm not surprised that that anybody at CDC or FDA or HHS or NIH uh, cares about the data that really is there. Yeah, truth. It's been going on a long time. It's been going on for a long time. Yeah, it, it, my CDC insider calls it group thing. Right. They all move in the same direction and don't uh, challenge each other because they assume that the authorities know what they're, the experts know what they're doing and are being uh, honest and transparent and, and thorough uh, in their pronouncements. But aren't mm-hmm. they supposed to be experts too? Aren't they supposed to review? I mean, are they just supposed to be told and you know that's what they go about doing their business with, that well, they're, information? They're, yeah, I mean they're experts and experts, right? They're um, at the CDC. They're they're people that are tasked with looking at the VAERS system, for example. So everybody trusts them. So whatever they say, if they say, "Hey, nothing to see here, folks, move along," nobody's going to look at the VAERS data themselves because right. well, they're not experts. Right. Right. You know, it's looking. 
it, it's like um, when I looked at some of the death data and uh, I said, wow, this is this is interesting here. And then Martin Koldorf pointed out, oh, yeah, but but you see deaths are seasonal and the deaths go up, you know, during certain times of years and um, uh, of the year. And you have to take factor that into account. I said, oh, I didn't know that. Right. So, you know, this is why you have experts interpreting the data because they know uh, tricks like this. The, the problem is that the experts can be then misled by uh, the experts that come before them and and um, and other people. So people popularly, uh, it's popular to say, oh, the VAERS data cannot be used to show causality. I hear that all the time. That's totally false. The head of the CDC, she, she said that she got her data from the report on CNN. Walensky, she said she was interviewed, she's being interviewed, she, she got her data about the efficacy from cnn yeah well there you go oh so around and around we go in this little circle yeah yeah so who are the originals who are the original liars what is that the would that be the vaccine companies i think it starts at fauci you know fauci created the coronavirus and it's funny how when uh there was an independent commission that looked into the origin of the uh, of the coronavirus and it appointed um a guy jeffrey sachs to be head of that uh, investigation committee. And he, he was appointed by the Lancet to go and form an independent committee to look into the origins of, of COVID. And he found it came out of a US, it, it, it came out of US biotechnology. As soon as he said that, as soon as he made that determination, the funding was pulled. Nobody wanted to know anything more. Stop. Full stop right there, disband the committee. Let's stop, stop everything. No more need to find anything more than that for some reason. <laughs> Don't want to put, put the, the finger on the, the US. Did he make any subsequent public statements about that? Oh uh, yeah, he basically says that, you know, they, they pulled the funding and, and that, that it's odd that everybody was interested in the origin of SARS-CoV-2 virus until uh, we determined that it came out of U.S. biotechnology because the there's a 19 nucleotide sequence in the uh, whole genome sequence of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And that 19 nucleotide sequence is used in gain-of-function research. It is found in nature in some places, not very common in nature, but it is found in nature. But the thing that they never point out is that it's never never found in a virus in nature. No virus in nature has ever had this gain of function insertion. How did it get there? It couldn't have gotten there through nature. There's no pathway for it. In other words, SARS-CoV-2 was man-made. And if it's man-made, somebody made it. Now, <laughs> it seems to have come out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology because it cropped up right over the river you just go across the river from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And that's, that was the market where the outbreaks were first discovered. In fact, that's the theory that it came from that market. That market just happens to be right across the river from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Coincidence? Well, you know, when the WHO investigated and went into the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Do you think they were greeted with open arms saying, hey, 
check out all of our records and all our computer files and all our stores of, of, of viral material in our BSL-4 lab. Check it out. Come, you know, we, we have nothing to hide. Of course not. It was completely opaque. They couldn't see anything. So what do you think the chances are that it was man-made? <laughs> it had to be man-made, by the way. It had to be man-made. It could not have come from nature. There is no mechanism where it could have come from nature. Impossible. <laughs> I guarantee it. I would bet a hundred million bucks on it. Company wants to take my bet on that. Um, there's no way it couldn't have come from nature. And nobody's ever explained how it could possibly come from nature. God, and, and, that, and then you get these genes, gene therapy, vac, you know, inoculate. And and they they changed the definition of vaccine. Yes. Yes. Instead of preventing disease, it now is uh, um, you know invokes an immune response. And and of course these vaccines do invoke a, an immune response. And and I don't deny that. And neither does anybody who works with me. We don't deny that that when you shoot these spike proteins into people, you get an immune response, right? And you generate antibodies and so forth. But that doesn't mean that you offer the person protection. And it doesn't mean that the benefits outweigh the risk. So, you know, it is a gene therapy, but it is also, depending on your definition, a vaccine in terms of evoking an immune response, if that's what your definition of a vaccine is. So, because so, that's, that's the new definition according to the CDC. Right. I'm still trying to wrap my arms around that you say that there is a way to test the number of spike proteins um, uh, from this vaccine, quote unquote vaccine. So it's almost like, I hate to say this, but the antidepressant uh, ruse that, oh, um, you know, you have a chemical imbalance, okay? And my argument for 30 years is, well, what test did you take to tell me which of your, you know, chemicals was out of balance so we can yeah. make sure we get the right balance going? So you're telling me that the spike protein can be counted and I, I can go to my doctor and go, hey, yeah. I want this test and I want to know how many spike proteins I have. Yeah, you may not be able to go to your doctor, but- uh, those okay. tests exist. Bruce Patterson has a lab that that will test that, and he's written papers oh. on it. And there was a mass general uh, study that looked at spike protein and um, you know detectable in people, uh, at, you know after they got the shot. So, but but again, my argument is why can't I go? Why can't I go to my doctor if I've gotten the vaccine and go, hey, I've had four of those. You know, I've had the two vax, I've had the two boosters. Yeah. I think I'm pretty good on that spike. Can we just test my blood and see where we're, where we're at on the spike at this point? The answer is because it's not a commercially available test. Why not? Who would, who would ever want to test you test for spike protein? It's, it's perfectly safe and effective. I would. <laughs> no, no, I'm no, joking. no, 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 no. But I want to make sure. No, I want to no, make you can sure go to, it's you safe. Can, so, so the answer is you can go to Bruce Patterson and, um, and, and, and check that. So his his lab in, in in cell DX. Now, actually, he's been telling me about this the the direct spike test for months now, and I'm not even and and every time I check in, he's always say, "Well, it'll be next month." So it keeps on slipping. So you, you but you can get these uh, biomarkers uh, that that tell you something is wrong, and he he can do it individually, but he doesn't have a commercial 
I'm not sure if he has a commercialized test yet um, for looking at Spike. So where where you can you know do this on a because uh, otherwise it's it's only done in research settings. Like right. That. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. It's not commercially available. So they're saying, okay, you need to get out there and get that fifth booster, or excuse me, the oh, third yeah. booster. Well, well, look, you don't but, even need to check for Spike, right? Because there was a, 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 a study done in Thailand on young adults. And they looked at you know, the blood of young adults before the vaccine and after the vaccine. And they discovered that there were um, uh, uh, cardiac damage was done in 30% of the cases, not 0.3%, not 3%. In 30% of young adults, there's cardiac injury that shows up in the blood test in 30% of the vaccinated adults. And what blood the test is study that? Didn't, doesn't get any play in the U.S. What blood test is that? Um, they, oh, no, they just use the, the, the standard blood test. They, they looked at troponin levels. They looked at D-dimer levels. And they, they looked at other um, mm -hmm. uh, biomarkers. I'm just thinking, if I've had four or five shots... I mean, if I gave my dog four or five shots against rabies and he still got rabies, ah, I don't know. I'd have some questions there. Yeah, well, right? you know, see, that's what people in Israel <laughs> are doing. They're 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 not stupid. They're saying, you know, fool me once, shame <laughs> on you. On fool you. me twice, shame on me. They're they're basically, you know, doing that. And ninety eight percent are saying, no possible way am I yes. going to get another vaccine. I don't care what you do to me yeah. at this point. Right? Number five. Well, but this is where, this is the road we're going down with booster after booster after booster, right? All off it. No booster for me, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, you got to ask your doctor, look, hey, if Paul Offit's not getting the booster, why should I? Right. right. If Paul Offit's concerned about the safety of the boosters, why shouldn't I be? Right. And, and the, the, their doctor would say, well, there are 21 people on the committee and Paul's just one of those one. people. So the other 20 voted in favor of approving the booster. So, you know, there's always, you know, like, you know, but Paul Offit, Mr. Vaccine, he's the, he's the doctor's doctor on vaccine. Yeah. He's, the, he's the senior guy. He's the smartest guy in the room. And he's saying, no, you know, NFW. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I just talked to Paul Alexander, Dr. Paul Alexander, and he said, he said, if everybody stopped taking the vaccine right now, that there would be no more variants. You know, the variants would stop, yeah. you know, they're probably right. producing variants. And then it, this thing would settle down into an endemic, you know, sniffles or whatever. That's what the people uh, I've talked to about this. They all say that the vaccines were devastating because they they caused the variants. And if if it were a single thing that doesn't mutate, because there's no need for it to mutate, there's nowhere for it to go. They're basically creating this barrier, this fence that they're giving to everybody. And the, then the virus is saying, oh, huh, I see this fence. I know how to jump over it. And it jumps over it in one person. But because the other person has the exact same fence, the virus then infects the other person. We want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, it's great. Amazing piece that you did. Extremely helpful to, you know, people who want to know what's really happening and what the statistics are. 
keep up the good work. We're going to keep following you. And uh, thanks for coming on. Sure. My pleasure. Anytime.